Welcome into Unleashed Barrier Sports Talk for Friday, September 30th, 2022. Who's the real home run champ anyway? When everything is negative, I am your 49ers gold lining. The LA hate meter somebody asked me about that, so I will reply. Has your opinion changed on the 49ers? And one for the road. Twitter docs. Let's go. Hey there. Episode 14, Unleashed, with me, John Lund, on the Locked On Podcast Network. Appreciate you hanging out. If you've been listening, thank you very much. If it's your first time, welcome in. Please subscribe, spread the word, all those fun things. My day job, KNBR 680, KNBR.com, 10 to 2, weekday specific, with the voice of the 49ers, Greg Popper. And interact with the show any old time. we got a few of those today, at John Lund Radio on Twitter. Happy Friday. Hope you're doing great. Let's get to it. It's time for today's leadoff spot. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. And the 3-2. Joel deep to left field. This could be it. See ya. He's done it. Number 61. He's been chasing history. And now he makes it. He and Roger Maris are tied with 61 home runs. The most anybody has ever hit in a single season in American League history. Uh, he's clean. He's a Yankee. He plays the game the right way. And, uh, you know, I think... It gives people a chance to look at somebody who, uh, you know, should be revered for hitting 62 home runs and not just as a, a guy who did it in the American League. He should be revered for, you know, being the actual single-season home run champ. That is Roger Maris Jr. You know the story. Roger Maris hit 61 home runs in 1961 and for years was the home run champ. Then came PEDs, steroids, whatever you want to call them. Sosa beat him. McGuire beat him. Barry Bonds beat him with 73, and Barry Bonds, I just checked moments ago, still is the home run champ with 73 home runs and 762 for his career. That's the major league record. Not 61, not because he's a good guy, not because Barry's a bad guy. He is the home run champ. Now, I'll give you this, and I learned something interesting today on my show on KMBR. We had the voice, uh, the radio voice of the Yankees, John Sterling. The Yankees win. On the show today, and we were talking about home run hitters, best home run hitters of all time. Obviously, in San Francisco, we think Barry Bonds in New York. They think the Babe was 60 or Maris was 61. Maybe this year, Aaron Judge at 62. Uh, They're all the way across the country from me. I'm interested in what they think. That's why we had them on, because in the Bay Area, we believe Barry Bonds is the home run champ. We get it. We're not saying that he didn't use uh, PEDs, steroids, juice, whatever you want to call it. He did, regardless of, you know, the – what the details are. I never tested positive. Look, Barry Bonds juiced. I'm not saying he didn't. But John Sterling got into a conversation. We got into a conversation with John Sterling, and he said, start talking about home run hitters, and he omitted Barry Bonds. And I said, what about Bonds? And without even taking a breath or a moment, he said, well, no, he, he used performance-enhancing drugs. He doesn't count. And I counter with, it's really hard to compare errors in anything, in any sport. The rules change. Uh, errors change. Things are different. But where I'll start in this whole conversation is you heard Roger Marish Jr. say he's clean. That was the first thing he started with. He's clean. 
I'm not accusing Aaron Judge of anything. I like Aaron Judge. It's nothing against Aaron Judge. It's a bigger picture item than that. Do we know they're clean? This goes back to who's in the Hall of Fame and who's not. Who's clean? Who's not? I guarantee you that there are users in the Hall of Fame. It's a fact. And if you want to say that Aaron Judge is clean, that's fine. But we might find out in five or ten years he's not. It's a, it was always funny that Judge, Jury, yep, pun intended, Judge, Jury, and Executioner were the writers from the Baseball Writers Association of America, and they decided who was in the Hall of Fame. This guy used, this guy didn't. This guy's in, this guy's not. A lot of it was based on, okay, you had the numbers, but you're a nice guy. Alex Rodriguez is not a nice guy, and the only reason he's doing TV and, and trying to kiss up to everybody is he's trying to change his perception. Barry Bonds would never do that. People didn't like Barry Bonds. If Barry Bonds was a nicer guy, people might have looked the other way. They've done it with other guys. But let's stay on focus here. So John Sterling says to me that, no, in New York, the home run champ is either Roger Maris or it's Aaron Judge if he hits 62. Roger Maris Jr. just said he's clean. I, I just take exception with the fact that anybody's clean. I was covering baseball in 98. Baseball took advantage of, made money from, embraced, acknowledged, everybody knew what was going on, and then when it came time to pay the bill, baseball turned its head and went, what is going on? What? So there's a giant hypocrisy when it comes to that. But in terms of records, whether they be baseball home run records, the most hallowed, I mean, everybody loves the home run record, here becomes the issue. Babe Ruth was the original home run king, and he only faced white pitchers. He didn't face African-American pitchers. He didn't face Latin pitchers, and he faced the same pitchers four or five times during a game. Advantage, Babe Ruth. Now, I, I, there's no way to quantify this, but I'm not saying, and he didn't do anything illegal. But when you compare eras, is Barry Bonds juicing a, more, a bigger advantage than Babe Ruth only facing white pitchers? And Babe Ruth being allowed to face those pitchers four and five times in a game? Seems like a pretty big advantage to me. Uh, Roger Maris, when he hit the 61 home runs, that was an expansion year in baseball, and he faced watered-down pitching. And I don't know what Roger Maris was using. He never hit more than 39 home runs. He hit 33, hit 39. He had a 12-year career in which he averaged 23 home runs per season. Nowadays, would we think that was peculiar? Again, I'm not accusing Roger Maris, but what I'm saying is the advantages that Roger Maris had was watered-down pitching and seeing the same pitchers over and over and over again. So let's move on to, to Barry Bonds, the home run king. He saw specialized pitching. He would only see one pitch per at-bat. He walked a ton, and he took that pitch and hit it out of the ballpark. We can go on down the line, and we can compare any single record that you want to compare, whether it's football, hockey, baseball, basketball, compare eras. It's impossible. Now, they do it every day on ESPN. Who's the best this? Who's the best this? Who's the best that? If, if you want to say who's the best quarterback, well, if you want to do it based on yards, but everything changes, rules are different. You used to be able to hold, mug. You could legal, legally do things to wide receivers that on the street would get you put in jail for 20 years. It's almost impossible to compare eras and records and best and worst and so forth. So what we do is we look at a record book. And Barry Bonds has 762 home runs in his career, and he has 73 in a season. You can either acknowledge it or you don't. I acknowledge it because baseball embraced it. Baseball made money off it. Baseball, wink, nudge. But if we get caught, I'm saying I didn't know. I covered baseball then. Everybody knew. Everybody acknowledged it. Barry got one pitch to hit, and he hit it out. I can't quantify to you how how big of a difference PEDs makes. I don't know. I'm not saying that Barry Bonds didn't use, but to me, 
he had an advantage. Roger Maris had an advantage. Babe Ruth had an advantage. Every era in every sport, when we're talking about records, has an advantage that another one doesn't, and they have a disadvantage that another one doesn't. Everyone acts as if PEDs were the ultimate advantage in sports, and they may have been, but I don't know who was clean. I don't know who had the bigger advantage, and the record book says Barry Bonds is the king of the home run. And oh, by the way, the guy that everybody in New York wants to crown the home run king, if he does hit 62, Aaron Judge, is on record as saying that he watched Barry Bonds hit the home runs, he stayed up late at night, he watched him, and he, who is said to be the home run king, says Barry Bonds is the home run king. Barry Bonds is the home run king. Feel free to disagree. Second and ten from his own end zone. Garoppolo's out of the end zone. It's a safety. Remember, Dan Orlovsky did that. Stepped all the way out of the end zone. It's a safety, and that kills the play before everything else on the pick. So it is seven to five, and Trent Williams is shaken up for the Niners. I often tell you about what it's like in the Bay Area if you're not here all week long. It's been negative, 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 and negative. And why wouldn't it have been? You lost 11-10 on national TV on Sunday Night Football. You heard Mike Tariqa and Chris Collinsworth there. A comedy of errors. Defensively, they were great outside of one 80-yard drive. But Jimmy stepping out of the end zone, the injury to Trent Williams, the botched exchange, the missing uh, Miss Debo. Jimmy Miss Debo didn't see him on one with his hand open. That would have been a touchdown short on a pass that they completed but should have been a touchdown Jeff Wilson Jr. fumbles on and on and on so of course you're going to have a negative week now I am here with your not silver but gold lining you win this weekend against the Rams on Monday night I should say you win Monday night against the Rams you're two and two and that actually puts you in first place in the NFC West the Rams right now are two and one four Niners are one and two two and two you have the tiebreaker over the Rams you'd be in first place in the NFC West. Now you're saying to yourself, wait a minute, these are the Super Bowl champs and the 49ers have played terribly. I give you that. But in the last six regular season games, not when it counted in the NFC Championship game, but in the last six regular season games, the 49ers are 6-0. Kyle Shanahan is 6-0. Jimmy Garoppolo is 6-0 against Sean McVay and the Rams. Now it's not going to be easy. Trent Williams is out, as I said. There are a lot of injured guys. It doesn't sound like Eric Armstead's Planner fasciitis is going to allow him to play, but we shall see. Diamador Lenore versus Cooper Cup, that doesn't sound like a great matchup. Aaron Donald is going to line up in a number of different places where he would have an advantage everywhere, but specifically at left tackle against Colton McKivitz. And yes, I know Colton McKivitz did hold up okay in the last regular season game of the year that enabled the 49ers to get into the playoffs. But I'm staying positive here, and I'm not just doing it for the sake of making you feel better. They have dominated the Rams in the regular season, and they can win this game. And Kyle Shanahan teams and Jimmy Garoppolo in general have been very good after losses, and especially at Levi's Stadium. So there are good reasons to feel good, actually, after a negative week with the 49ers. Jimmy Garoppolo in October in his career as a starter is 14-3. and and against the Rams, as I said, is 6-0, completes over 68% of his passes with nine touchdowns and a 96 rating. But let's assume for just a second. Let's have some fun. Let's assume for a second that they beat the Rams. Now let's look at the schedule because I, I got something in my email today from Pro Football Outsiders, and they do this whole thing called DVOA, and it talks about each play and breaks it down, and it's an analytic, and it says that the 49ers – have the easiest remaining schedule in all of the NFL. Now, I don't know. Rather than using DVOA 
I'll do it on WTDG. Do you know what that is? I tell you all the time. It's called Watch the Damn Game, WTDG. So if we take another look at the 49ers schedule, the Rams coming up this week, 2-1. and one, They're about what we thought they were, right, Dennis Green? They are who we thought they were, right, when he slammed the table against the, the uh, Bears and he was the Cardinals head coach. The Panthers after that, 1-2, and two, they stink. The Falcons, 1-2, and two, they stink. The Chiefs are what I thought the Chiefs were. They're 2-1. and one. They lost to the Colts last week. You're going to lose every once in a while, but that's going to be a tough game. The Chargers after that, they are the most injured team in the NFL. Justin Herbert's dealing with rib cartilage. Joey Bosa just went on the injured list. I don't know what those guys are going to be like by November 13th, but it suffice to say that to me, this happens to the Chargers every single year. They are one of the most talented teams in the league, and they don't live up to expectations, and that looks like the Chargers so far. Arizona after that looks worse than last year, maybe a 7-8 win team. The Saints, because of Jameis Winston, he is Jameis Winston from his last year in Tampa, where he just chucks it all over the place, interceptions, inconsistencies. They're worse than I thought they would be. Uh, the Dolphins lost to the Bengals on Thursday night, but still better than I thought. Bucks are what we thought. At Seattle, they stink. Washington stinks. The Raiders are the only winless team in the league, and I already told you about the Cardinals. So I looked at this schedule, and it certainly can change. The season is long. We are only three weeks through. But the reason I brought that up is because analytics and this, that, and the other, and I would rather just say, look, I've seen all these teams play. So rather than looking at an analytic, I'll just tell you, the WTDG, watch the damn game, schedule for the for the 49ers looks better than I thought it was going to. Two against the Rams is not going to be easy. Chiefs is not going to be easy. Dolphins are better than what we thought. And the Bucks are the Bucks. If you win this weekend against the Rams... Panthers and Falcons after that, the underachieving Chargers, the underachieving Saints. The Dolphins are better, no question. Bucks are good. Still have Seattle, Arizona twice, Washington, and the winless Raiders. Things can change. I understand that. But we have a lot of fun every few weeks, every once in a while. Because at the beginning, I tell you about the WL game. At the beginning of the year, not knowing anything other than what the past performance was, we look at the schedule and we try to determine what games are going to win and what teams, what games they're going to lose. Sometimes you're fairly successful. Sometimes teams come out of nowhere. Sometimes your team is injured. But just based on the first few weeks of action, yep, it was really negative talking about the 49ers all week long. But now, if you beat a team that you've beaten six times in a row in the regular season, Atlanta and Carolina are on the horizon. The Chiefs are tough. The Chargers are underachieving. And I just told you about the rest of the schedule. Things don't look so bad. The DVOA, whatever it is, football outsiders, they say it's the easiest schedule remaining. The WTDG says that, yep, it's pretty advantageous to the 49ers as well. So I'm feeling pretty good about it. Now, somebody, and I I love it, and I told you, interact with me at any time, at John Lund Radio, and TJ on Twitter hit me up, and he said, what is my L.A. rivalry ranks? And so what I'm assuming he means by that is, Like, based on hatred? Well, it's not even close. It's the Dodgers at number one on the list. Giants, Dodgers, especially last year. Farhan used to be with the Dodgers. You're trying to catch the Dodgers. You're far away from the Dodgers. You actually bested them last year by a game, but it's always Dodgers. It's the hate that goes back with the Dodgers. It's it's number one. This is where it gets difficult at number two. I'm going to say the Rams. Now, maybe it's convenient because... They're on my mind right now, but they did beat the 49ers in the NFC Championship game last year. It is Sean McVay versus Kyle Shanahan. It does kind of mirror the Seahawks 
when it was Harbaugh versus Carroll. Carroll's still around. Russell Wilson's not. You got beaten in an NFC Championship game by the Rams. You got beaten in an NFC Championship game by the Seahawks. Now, it's not the same in the way that it was defense for Seattle. It's offense for L.A. The proximity is better with the Rams versus the 49ers. It would be great to have a rivalry, but I think they've already passed the Seahawks as far as hate level is concerned. The Seahawks aren't very good. The reason why it's tough to do kind of the L.A. rivalry ranks is because are the Lakers third or second? Because they're LeBron James, do you go Dodgers, Lakers, Rams, or do you go Dodgers, Rams, Lakers? It's my list. I was asked about it. So I say Dodgers, Rams, Lakers. It might be recency bias because they're playing them Monday night, but the Lakers and the Warriors really have never played for anything. Now, a couple of years ago, the Lakers knocked the Warriors out of the playoffs in that playing game. I don't. I consider that like the NCAA tournament Dayton bracket where you play on a Tuesday. Uh, they have a rivalry with LeBron, but it goes back to the Cavaliers. It doesn't go back. It's, it's not a Heat-related thing. It's not a Lakers-related thing. So they haven't really seen each other a lot in the playoffs. And the one I remember is Sleepy Floyd is Superman by my co-host on KMBR, Greg Papa. So I don't see something with the Lakers. I, I'm not a LeBron guy. I got nothing against LeBron. And then the LA Galaxy in soccer, the Kings and the Ducks in the NHL, no one in the Bay Area talks about college football. So we don't have like a USC Stanford. We did for a minute when Pete Carroll was at SC and Jim Harbaugh was at Stanford, but that doesn't count. So there's only three. And I put it in the order of Dodgers, Rams, Lakers. You might go Dodgers, Lakers, Rams. Uh, I'm going to go recency bias, but that's how I see it. So give me your thoughts. At John Lund Radio, somebody asked me, who was that again? Uh, that was TJ on Twitter who asked me about my L.A. rivalry wank, ranks. My L.A. rivalry ranks. We had a guy named Jeffrey Chadia, who's very, very good. And he does the first look column every single week on NFL.com. He's on NFL.com, senior writer, and uh, you'll see him on NFL Network as well. And he wrote a piece about the 49ers last week when Jimmy Garoppolo replaced Trey Lance. And he wrote a glowing report that the 49ers would be better with Jimmy in the short term, and they still may be. I'm not saying he's wrong. He was on our show, and he was he was great. He does, I love this, by the way. Everybody has to make a Super Bowl pick, and then they have to stick to the Super Bowl pick, and then it starts to look ugly, and then they got to change it at some point. He writes the uh, first look column, and he writes all the different things to look for in a given uh, week. And he's done it for this week at NFL.com. And last week, he had the 49ers as his NFC representative opposite the Buffalo Bills. And now after this week, he has the Eagles taken on the Bills. I love that he changes it based on new information. So I asked him today if he had changed his opinion on the 49ers. And he didn't change it because Jimmy played poorly. He said he changed it because he's not sure about the status of Trent Williams uh, short and long term, which is is totally understandable because we've said it on the podcast before. They've replaced a lot of guys so far. They've replaced Jimmy Ward. They've replaced Trey Lance. They've replaced Elijah Mitchell. They don't have anybody to replace Trent Williams. So if that's your logic in saying that you're not as high on the 49ers as you were, then I understand that logic. Now, to me, everybody's going to to get hurt. Everybody's going to have issues. Everybody's going to look bad on a certain week. Everybody's look, going to get look great on a certain week, and we're going to overreact to both, both the bad and the good. But if I look at the positives, okay, these are the three up for the 49ers to me. I still trust Kyle on offense. This offense will get it turned around at some point all week long. It's been the discussion of, well, maybe Jimmy's not any good, and maybe they figured out Debo, and maybe they figured out Kyle, and Kyle asked, it was answering questions this week that you know everybody in the league is running a version or a style of the Shanahan offense, which makes it easier for teams because everybody's doing it, so you're practicing against the same stuff all the time, and that makes a lot of sense. I was covering football in the Mountain West Conference for a few years, and Air Force was in the Mountain West. 
and you never saw a triple option except for Air Force. So during that week, it was this mad scramble to try to figure out how to defend the triple option because nobody runs it. And then once you're done with Air Force, you're fine. But if you went back to the 70s, you know, Oklahoma ran it and Texas ran it and Nebraska ran it and everybody, everybody ran that same offense, so it was easy to defend. Nobody runs it, then you've got to take this whole week to defend it. It becomes more difficult. Well, everybody runs a version of the Kyle Shanahan offense now. Everybody's versed in it, and Kyle was kind of lamenting that fact. But because I'm not saying he's the inventor of it, but I think he's one of the guys that are ahead of the curve on it. He's not going to sit there and go, you know, he's not a guy that's going to gloat. and everything. He's just going to make plays, and I still have faith in Kyle Shanahan. So one of my ups is I still trust Kyle Shanahan. And when Jimmy Garoppolo starts as the quarterback of the 49ers, as down as you may be on him, the 49ers in his 49er career – 26.8 points per game under Jimmy. With this defense, if they average 26.8 points per game, the 49ers are going to win just about every game that they're in. Speaking of the defense, another up. The defense is, to me, the best overall defense combining all three levels in the league. You look at the defensive line and the depth of the defensive line. Now, if our Eric Armstead doesn't play this weekend, it's going to be difficult, just like it was last weekend. Uh, they can they can turn more attention to Nick Bosa. Somebody opposite, you know, Drake Jackson has shown at times. Ebukam at times has shown it. They they need a great effort. And, yes, Aziz Alshire is out for a while, but Dre Greenlaw was the best defensive player on the field against the Broncos on Monday night among a lot of players who are playing well. One more week without Jimmy Ward. The corners are playing outstanding, and Talanoga Hafunga is playing at a level that is as good as any safety in the league right now. So if you put Ward and Hufunga together, the corners remain what they've been doing. You still have two-thirds of the best linebacking core in the NFL. And, oh, yeah, Nick Bosa is along that deep defensive line. Then I say the 49ers have the best defense in all of the NFL. The running back situation is interesting. One always emerges for the 49ers, just like one always emerged for Mike Shanahan in Denver. Elijah Mitchell's a loss. We've seen it. There's no question. They've had to use Debo Samuel, and they don't want to use Debo that much because he got tired by the end of the year when he had to be the be a big part of the running game just half the year last year. So they don't want to burn Debo out. They've got to find different ways in space to get Debo the ball. Jeff Wilson is okay. He got trucked a couple of times when you look back at the film against Denver that nobody's talking about in pass protection. But Marlon Mack is there, J.P. Mason is there, and at some point, they're going to have to use these guys. By the way, one guy that gets lost in this is Tevin Coleman, who was part of, of course, the team that went to the Super Bowl. The only reason that he didn't play in Denver is he's got a, a situation with high altitude. He will probably be active this weekend. I wish I could tell you what kind of shape, he, shape he's in. He knows the offense. I don't know if he's going to play. But my point in saying all this about the running backs one has always emerged for Kyle, and one will emerge this season as well. And finally, another reason to be up, the division is just down. Outside of the Rams, Seattle's not good. Arizona's not good. I just went over the schedule. If the defense was an issue, I would be more concerned. Kyle is an offensive head coach. He's always figured it out. He will figure it out, and you have the best defense in football. The 49ers have a favorable schedule looking ahead. It was all negative this week in the Bay Area. Brighter skies ahead.
talked about that's the thing he admires most his ability to make adjustments at halftime to a rolling left with the grain and down he goes slung down in his own 48 yard line Josh Tupu and uh-oh well we saw last week and he went down he got up was wobbly the training staff comes out that was Al and Kirk on Thursday night football and Twitter docs went crazy because Tua went down again it was violent it was ugly it was nasty he was flung to the ground in Cincinnati head whipped back whiplash the whole nine yards hits his head went out on a stretcher and right away Twitter docs assumed that because Sunday he had a concussion and by the way was cleared and Thursday had a concussion and is going to fly home with a team that the entire medical staff of the Dolphins should be fired. Some of the samples, the entire Dolphins medical staff should be fired. People should lose their jobs over two being allowed to play five days ago. And now this, I hope the Dolphins medical staff gets fired. This is malpractice Tua should have never played four days is not enough. Someone should be held accountable. We've known for a long time that Thursday night football does not exactly equal good health for NFL players, but the NFL has turned their head because it fills their coffers. Richard Sherman, who called it a poop fest a number of years ago, is now, ironically enough, on the same broadcast that refused to talk about the Tua injury at halftime. It's business. We all get it. It's not right, but it's a lot of money. And if the players want to continue to get paid at the level they do, they'll risk their health to play Thursday night football. But that's not the point to me. Is it, is it possible, is it just possible that Tua Tungavailoa could play on Sunday, get cleared, and all the Twitter docs were going crazy that day, and the initial results from the NFLPA asked for an investigation. NFL Executive VP Jeff Miller said the initial assessment was that protocol was followed against the Bills on Sunday. They took him to the hospital in Cincinnati. He was released and is going to fly back with the team. But that's not good enough. People were freaking out after he was released. Why was he released so fast? How do you know? First of all, you're not a doctor. I'm not a doctor. By the way, if you're listening to the podcast and you are a doctor, that's awesome. I brought up the IQ of the entire podcast, and I'm very happy about that. It's the ultimate in sheepdom. Yeah, that's not a word. Somebody sees a tweet and says, yeah, and then the rest of the people do it. It's like that old Prell commercial, and it just combines, you know, it, it times and times, and there's two, and there's four, and there's eight, and there's six, and, it's, and it just goes crazy. And everybody thinks, yeah, that's right. You didn't even see the play, probably. Maybe you saw some of the play. Maybe you just heard about the play. All of a sudden, all the sheep are following. Everyone on the staff should be fired. Now, maybe they did, and the NFLPA will get to the bottom of it. But it's not about health. It's about money. Is this new to everybody? It was gruesome. It was ugly. Maybe they were wrong. But the NFL so far says protocol was followed on Sunday. The NFL says so far... NFL protocol was followed on Thursday. Have you ever stopped to think for a second that the NFL is a really violent game and that in two instances, the guy whose head is trying to be ripped off by 300-pound-plus men got thrown to the ground once in Miami and the guy got a concussion, and then he came back in Cincinnati and violently was thrown to the turf again, neck, head, slam, and he got another one? Is that not entirely possible? Because 100% of the tweets that I saw, and I know that Twitter is an ugly and nasty place, and I shouldn't fall into the trap. So maybe there were logical people sitting there going, hmm, 
but throwing doctors under the bus and essentially saying that you're not doing your job correctly as you drink a six-pack on your couch and determine from hundreds and thousands of miles away that, that protocols not followed. Thursday night football must go. And then next Wednesday, you say to all your friends at work, man, I can't wait for the game on Thursday. Oh, but now you're a beacon of health for all these NFL players. No, you're not. You want to see Thursday night football. And it's very possible and probable that these doctors who spent years and years and years at their craft actually are trying to protect a player and they did follow protocol. Twitter doctors. Just because you have an internet connection does not make you an MD. And that's one for the road. And that is Unleashed, episode 14 for Friday, September 30th, 2022. I'm John Lund. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe, tell all your friends, listen to KMBR 680, the home of the 49ers, weekdays 10 to 2. I'm on with the voice of the 49ers, Greg Papa. By the way, Friday, Tim Ryan Power Hour, live from Levi's Stadium. Check it out. Interact at John Lund Radio. The YouTube channel is coming soon, and I will have a bonus podcast, a video cast, that I will post as I preview 49ers and Rams on Monday night. We'll be better on Monday. This is Unleashed with John Lund, episode 14 on the Locked On Podcast Network.